Welcome to Fireside Financial. Together, Joe Curry and Regan Schiller offer and discuss insights and advice on all aspects of retirement planning. So grab a cup of coffee or tea, sit back and join us by the fireside as we explore all the topics related to planning for your retirement. Hello, JC, and welcome back again. We're going to do another episode. And today we're going to be talking about something that's probably on the minds of a lot of pre-retirees, retirees, and probably a lot of people in general. But it's basically when we're dealing with market volatility and how does an individual cope with market volatility, especially when you're nearing retirement and or in retirement? Yeah, anyone close to or in retirement in this last year and a half has not been the most stress-free time to be invested one of the things a lot of people say to me, and you probably hear this too, Regan, is, you know, I understand the importance of long-term investing and how things will come back, but I don't have long-term because I'm retired now or I'm going to be retired soon and I need that money. And I'm not sure if your experience is the same, but I get that a lot. And I try to really? help people kind of break that thought into two parts. The first part is, yeah, you're right. You need a retirement income stream. So you need that money soon. But also, if you're in your 60s right now, you might have 30 years ahead of you. Mm-hmm. So yep. we need to kind of think of your retirement in phases and therefore your portfolio in the kind of those different phases or buckets. Yeah, no doubt it's been a challenging few years in the markets. That's undeniable, I guess, if you will. But I think a lot of times when you're dealing with market volatility, even though the past is not an indicator of what's going to happen in the future, you can look at it to understand market resilience. And I'm sure if you'd go back in time, if we were going through a time of more extreme volatility in the markets, no matter what was going on, the individual would have probably felt uncomfortable, right? In that moment of, well, we don't know what's going to happen. However, most often times what's going on economically is not always translated to markets. So it's not a direct correlation between the two. And so I think that's what people have to remember is you can go back into history and if you're well diversified, let's say you're in a moderate portfolio and you usually go back to you know the early 1900s and you looked at that graph of that moderate portfolio between where we are now to where you were then, you would have seen a lot of the ticker go up and down, if you will, but it's always trending north in the long run, right? And so without exceptions, if there's ever been a market downturn, correction, recession, whatever you want to call it, markets have always gone on to reach their new all-time high. The timing on that, when it happens, how those returns come to us, that we don't know, but we have to trust in the resilience of the market. Yeah, I think you you touched on a couple of important things there. So I think right now we're talking more about stocks than anything else. And in a retirement portfolio, you said moderate portfolio, that's not going to be all stocks, but just looking at the stocks for a second, talking about the economy and the markets, this is something I've talked to a lot of clients about is often the market is like a leading indicator because all of the investors around the world are all all buying and selling investments and stocks or companies based on the information that they have. So they're in a way kind of trying to predict the future. And none of us have a crystal ball. No one knows what it looks like. But when we have millions of people who all know that interest rates are high and we're going up, inflation has been high, there's war in Europe and the Middle East, you know, there's all these things that are going on. Investors know that when they're buying and selling stocks. So it's already built to the market. And it's also built into the market with interest rates going up. We all expect a recession and you know maybe we're already in a recession. So just because we know all this information doesn't mean that we should expect things to be negative going forward because that's already been built in to racing in the markets. Whereas the economy, we're getting lagging information about what's going on there, right? So we could be in a recession now, but it might not be official for another month or two when you know all the numbers are, are tallied up and reported. So in 2008, for example, you know by the time it was actually announced there was a recession, 
you know, we were almost to the bottom of the market and ready for the rebound at that point. That's kind of what you're talking about a little bit of, you know, we don't want to tie them together too much. And then I think the other thing is the importance of diversification, right? So diversification will allow us to participate when the markets come back. And so I think where people get themselves in trouble or even people who are diversified, but are worried that might not come back is they're thinking about stories like Nortel and Enron, especially in retirement. You know, we don't want to be looking at just a couple stocks to build your retirement portfolio off of because anything can happen to any company. But again, like you said, Regan, with that diversification, if we have a, enough companies spread out, like when markets come back, we'll still be there to participate. And we really just have to have faith that capitalism will continue to exist. And as long as it does, those companies are going to continue to find ways to innovate and, and make money. And, and therefore, we'll see that growth throughout the market. Yeah, I 100% agree. Actually, the call that I was on before the time of this recording was with a potential new clients and he actually asked that question about, well, now that I'm going into retirement, they're about a year away from retirement-ish. I haven't looked at their portfolio yet. I don't know what the makeup of it is, but he's asking if he should be moving more to cash, fixed income, moving into retirement. This individual was 60, roughly, uh, 60, 61, somewhere in there. You know, and studies would suggest that a couple in around age 60 right now, there's a 50-50 chance that one of them could live to age 100, right? So with that in mind, let's say life expectancy being 90, 92, 93, let's say. That money's got to last him 30 plus years, right? So I think a good exercise to go through if you are uncomfortable with the market volatility that you're currently experiencing, I think a good starting point is get back to your risk tolerance. You know, if you're with a firm or an advisor, they can walk you through a questionnaire. Uh, we all have our own ways of doing it, but it's pretty much an industry standard that we would have to use some sort of documentation to prove what type of risk tolerance a client is. And that's the discussion-based type of questionnaire where you go through that again and answer those questions and see what you score at the bottom. And I bet you nine out of 10 times, you'll probably score the same score as your current risk level. And if that is the case, then maybe just you got to look at your retirement plan again. And even though, and put in the current values of your portfolio in there and then see how that holds up. And if those things are all in line where your risk tolerance to how your investors is appropriate and your retirement plan is still on track, to your point, if you're well diversified in a portfolio with a combination of equities and fixed income and different sectors, and maybe even from a management standpoint, a lot of diversification, really, you don't have too much to worry about. I mean, obviously, it's easy for us on this side of the table to say that. And we understand like all our listeners are emotionally involved in their investments, right? So yeah. certainly, there's going to be worry when there's ups and downs in the market. But again, that's where the planning really comes in, right? To show you whether you are on track or not. And if you can't take the volatility, then maybe you should have some less risk in your portfolio. But it's just important to understand there's a trade-off there. If you're not going to take on as much volatility, you will not be able to sustain as much income throughout retirement. And some people are in a position where they can afford to take on less risk. Yeah. But others, if they want to maintain their lifestyle, like they need to have a certain amount of risk in the portfolio. If we're talking about maybe strategies or investment vehicles to manage risk or volatility in a portfolio, are there yeah. any kind of specific strategies or ideas that come to mind for you, Regan? When it comes to like how it would be structured or how you would be taking money out? Anything that comes to mind for just how are we helping clients get through those market fluctuations and making sure that they don't spend all their money when the market's down and you know pull too much air, all that kind of stuff. For me, I always circle back to the plan. I really do. 
if I'm meeting with somebody, I always update the accounts that we have on file that I know what the values of them are. I'll update their plan. And so that automatically updates all of their account values and stuff like that. Yep. And I'll review how much are we taking out if they are taking money out, that is. How much are we taking out? Yes, that's all accurate in the plan. And I look at the score of the plan. If it's still north of 100% <laughs> of a retirement success, then really, you know, I just stay the course for the most part, right? When it comes to the strategies inside the portfolio, there's a number of strategies that we can implement to help reduce that risk, bucketing being one of them, if the portfolio has the ability to do that. And for those listening, I don't know if we've spoke about it before, but really briefly, bucketing is the strategy that we would take X amount of dollars that we know that the client needs for, let's say, three to five years. And that's going to be invested in something that's near to cash almost. And that's where they're taking their monthly income from. And then we'd have another bucket that would be earmarked for five, seven years time frame. And that's going to hold a certain amount of money that's going to have equity exposure. When bucket one is empty, bucket two would help fill bucket one, where your money is coming from. And then we'd have a third bucket, which would be more long term. And that's going to be comprised of mostly equities. And that's going to help fill bucket two when bucket two has to fill bucket one. Yeah, so that's exactly kind of what I was thinking. And we use a very similar strategy around buckets. And it depends on our client. And this comes back to risk tolerance and what clients are comfortable with and, and how we actually present the portfolio. But at the end of the day, we're creating those buckets and portfolios for clients as well. And we're thinking about, you know, what happens if 2008 happens again? So we want to make sure that in the defense bucket, we have enough low-risk investments that if 2008 happens again, we wouldn't be required to sell stocks or sell our companies yeah. while they're down, right? And so I yeah. think that's exactly what you're talking about. And that comes back to where I started. It. When we started thinking about this, we, we really have a, a short-term need for income and using our investments. We also have a long-term need if we're going to be retired for 30 or 40 years. Mm -hmm. right? yeah. And that's really where those buckets can come into play. And it's so important because for a long time, we weren't talking about inflation, but we found right. out in a very kind of in your face way the last year and a half that inflation still can creep up. And even if we look at the numbers in a, our lower inflation environment over the last 30 years, just previous to the, the last year and a mm -hmm. half, that small amount of inflation still makes a massive difference in how much money you're spending from year one of retirement to year 30 of retirement. Big mistake people make is they look at, you know, I've got $2 million here and I'm going to spend $100,000 a year. So I'll, that's an easy 20 years of income mm -hmm. right there. Right. I don't need much interest. I can just put it in GICs and that'll give me an extra maybe 10 years. But that does not take into account the fact that you're probably going to be spending two to three times as yep. much 30 years down the road as you are today, right? So if you're spending 100000 today, 30 years down the road, you're probably spending $300,000. Yep. So it's not quite as linear as we'd like it to be. Which leads to your point of if you're feeling uncomfortable with the market volatility that we have experienced in this past year, you have to keep that bigger picture in mind in making a decision to go more conservatively in fear of market volatility, if that's not your risk tolerance, you're probably doing yourself not much favors uh, in the long run. Yeah. And maybe the last place that I leave this is we have a really cool book called The Matrix Book that shows different returns of all different markets, bonds, stocks, whatever. And one of the pages shows us what treasury bills return after inflation. That's like our risk-free rate, right? So that's going to be similar to a short-term GIC for people to be more familiar with that. And it shows us at every period over, I think it's like the last 20 years, if we like one year out, three years out, whatever, that was a loss after we count inflation, the cost of living increases. If we look at the Toronto Stock Exchange over the same time period, the only time frame that is negative after inflation is the one-year number. 
this is up to the end of 2022, but every time period beyond that has made money after inflation is accounted for. Yeah, you remind me of a good thing here. Again, circling back to how to deal with market volatility, we sometimes have short-term memories when it comes to portfolio performance, where a lot of people may look at their last statement that was valued here. And for those just listening, I have my hand up high. <laughs> and then and they look at their statement and it's lower and it's valued here. And they think, uh, you know, I've lost this amount of money, but the reality is they haven't sold. You haven't sold anything, so you haven't lost anything. When markets recover, will most likely the more probable thing to happen is that in the future, when, uh, we don't know, but most likely the more probable thing to happen is that it will get back to that benchmark and it will surpass it in the future. And I think if you were to look at your portfolio and, okay, we're talking about maybe the last one year or year to date, or it might be positive, but it's not where you were a year and a half ago. But now let's look at the two-year number. Let's look at your three-year yeah. number, your four-year, your five-year, year, or let's go back to inception. When did you start with this portfolio? I think those are better benchmarks to go by versus the one in two years, because that's two in a 30, 40-year plan. Looking at those returns over the last year or two, it's way too short of a perspective to make any kind of um, emotional decision. It's way too short of a time frame to get emotionally wrapped up in it. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't really tell us anything, right? I mean, it's fine just to know what happened the last year, but it doesn't... Mm -hmm tell us that we're in a good or a bad investment. It doesn't really help us. And in fact, it almost yeah. hurts us more than anything looking at those short-term results. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, you and I are probably on the same page with this. We can kind of close with this for those listening that, uh, you know, maybe some of this stuff is resonating with them. At the end of the day, if you have a retirement plan that's well-documented, well-laid out, there's strategies in there to ensure that you get this income that you need for the rest of your life, Go back to that, uh, revisit it, and if all things are still good, then really just take a breath and move forward and don't worry about it because if you're in the hands of a capable advisor, they're going to be looking after this stuff for you. That's essentially our job, so our clients don't have to worry about those things. Yeah, that's right. I mean, really, we're solving for making sure there's enough cash flow to help you meet your lifestyle mm -hmm. needs and make sure there is again there next year and the year after and so on. Yeah. Okay, well, I think we can probably close today off on that one and circle back for another episode here in a little bit. Sounds good, Regan. Thank you. All right. Take care. Investment services are provided through Matthews & Associates Investments of Aligned Capital Partners Incorporated and approved trade name of Aligned Capital Partners Inc., ACPI. Only investment-related products and services are offered through ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI and covered by the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Tax planning, financial planning, and insurance services are provided through Matthews & Associates. Matthews & Associates is an independent company separate and distinct from ACPI slash Matthews & Associates investments of ACPI. Matthews & Associates are not licensed tax professionals, and you should consult with your tax advisor before acting on any recommendations. Thank you for joining us for this latest episode of Your Retirement Planning Simplified. Be sure to tune back in for the next episode, and until then, we're here to help you simplify and succeed in your retirement planning.